Hello. I'm Sarah Story and welcome to Backstory. This is my new podcast where I catch up with some massive DJs, producers, broadcasters, singers and songwriters to talk about their careers, how they've adapted to the new world that we've found ourselves in, their new projects and, of course, their backstory. The live music industry is taking such a hit from COVID and over 2020, we've seen so many people lose their jobs, festivals were cancelled, nearly every single DJ was out of work and the artists who were supposed to have their year had that taken away from them. But we have the power of the internet, music, podcasts and so we can still listen and connect to the people that we love. This week's guest is the legendary DJ Paulette. She was the first female resident at the Hacienda in Manchester and has spent the last 30 years DJing and holding residencies at some of the most prestigious clubs and parties in the world. The Zap Club in Brighton, Ministry of Sound, Queen Club and Mix Club in Paris, Cocoon in Frankfurt and one of my favourites ever... Pike's Hotel in Ibiza. She supported the likes of Giles Peterson, Norman Jay, Black Coffee, Too Many DJs. The list goes on. Her energy is infectious and so is her music. Here's what happened when we caught up. <laughs> you are never going to get an ounce of sense out of me today, by the way. I'm just <laughs> You'll get good sense and then you'll get batshit mental. That's the way I roll. Sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. So I'm cool with that. Good, let's go. DJ Paula, it's bloody marvellous to have you on Backstory. I am pleased to be here. You see me earrings in celebration earrings. of um, where we are right now. They're leather. And yeah. they're made by Mr. Scrusquat. Wife has this little company. She makes leather accessories. My okay. earrings say "Rave On." They're in celebration of this kind of feeling, this release, this like sense of positivity and optimism we've got right now. Of feeling that possibly this year we might come out of lockdown. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I really, I really, I'm, I'm feeling. I had a real moment of the day where the sunshine was out. And I was just feeling really excited. Everyone's got like, it. Oh, I really, I really hope. What is the, what is the plan for you on the 21st of June? Have you it's got the plan? Ju- uh, um, I have. Well, first of all, I will be playing the Homo Electric Party in Manchester at Hidden on the 21st of June. I will be in the basement with Gina Breeze and Will Tramp and Lucas and Jamie Ball and the whole crew will be occupying the Hidden building for the first Homo Electric since 2019. Was that the November one? Because I went to that one. Yeah, the la- well, the last... That was Homo Block. It's, it's the same family. But Homo Electric was the party that came before Homo Block. Same people, same, um, same vibe, same excitement from absolutely everybody. Everybody. So... Big deal. That's huge. It's got, that's twenty first. That's my twenty first of June. I got. I found it. Um, I got the booking a few days ago, and I was just like, boom. Yes. Oh, what a great party! 
Yeah. That's going to be amazing. And has things started to trickle in now? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. I've got the gala event. That is with um, Luke Solomon's playing and Gideon's playing and Nightmares on Wax, Norman J, Pro Suma, Ruby Savage, Shy One, Thomas Sumo, Gerd Jansen, Giles Peterson, Horsemeat Disco. The party is called Gala. That is a sick lineup. And uh, the date is, oh, it's Peckham Rye, 31st of July till the 1st of August. You know, so, my friend sent me that the other day, actually. Yeah, Monster, yeah. Monster One and Eastern Electric. Oh, yes, I'm going to that. Yes, oh, mate. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all kind of starting to roll. Everyone knows who you are. You, you're a legend. You're a resident at the Hacienda. Yes. Give us a little bit of a backstory into kind of where you grew up, and what you did before you became a DJ? Yeah, well, I've always wanted to work in the music industry. I come from a musical family, first of all. My mum was a singer. She doesn't sing anymore. She's 86. The only way she sings is for the church. But she used to be um, a quite renowned cabaret singer and, um, and jazz singer. She used to sing at every year at the... Um, jazz festival in Wales and and you know she was quite well renowned so there's always been music in my family I've got six sisters and one brother they all buy music they all have their music that they're into so the house was always you know full of music someone was always playing music there was a radio on there were records on there were fights over someone stealing records and this and that and that but it was always music so that's where i came from and then i think i got my first first record was given to me when i was maybe six or seven up jumps a rabbit me and my twin loved it we had this dance routine every time i hit the chorus it up jumps a rabbit we'd just jump all over the furniture i didn't know you were a twin yeah i'm an identical (gasps) twin are you yes what's it like being a twin (laughs) it's Dope. I love it. I mean, it's been the thing, really. Being a twin has been uh, very much an anchor in my life anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes for the for the good and the bad, because it's meant that we haven't really had to reach out and make friends through school because we've always had a best friend. It's like, I don't need to make another friend because I've got my mate here. Yeah. And we were just that close. We've always yeah. been that close all the way through school. And I think the biggest rupture for both of us was when we I wanted to do my A-levels and Paula was really arty. So she went to art college and that split was like really intense because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden we had to figure out how to make friends and we were like 16 and we'd never had to really think about it before and then it's just like whoa and and i suppose there's a lot of brothers and sisters so there's eight of you all yeah yeah so you've got your mates you've got your crew yeah yeah so going in that that way it was kind of weird but in fact saying that that's when music became really important to both of us and that's when we really started like hell for leather buying records going out to clubs i was going out to clubs i started going out to clubs when i was 15 i'd started buying music vinyl records into lots of different types of music and that's where it started Uh, you know my my record collection started with everything from 
David Bowie, Roxy Music, Kraftwerk, Ultra Rocks, John Fox, Gary Newman, Earth, Wind and Fire. God, you know, it was just like I was absorbing everything from everyone. So all of my family's tastes were affecting mine. And then there was my own tastes in the middle, which were the Sheffield electronic sound. I liked that Depeche Mode. I liked Tom Tom Club. I liked Japan. I liked, you know, I liked Arthur Baker and that kind of thing. So it started building up music like that. and. You know, when you're buying music like that, it became my obsession. I wasn't really mad into clothes at the beginning, but I was always, always buying music and going to gigs. And then I never, ever really planned to be a DJ. But, you know, as time went on, I've been dancing in nightclubs, I've been modelling and that kind of thing. So I became a bit of a face in Manchester. And a friend of my then husband told his friend who was booking a party at the number one in in Manchester that I had loads of records and she was looking for a DJ and she'd run out of money so she asked me if I would do it and I said yeah why not because she offered me 30 quid for playing from nine till two and it was playing records which was something that (laughs) I'd never done before I'd never done it in a club but it seemed like a great idea I had loads of records anyway did you have to mix or were you just on and off yeah well well I have no idea what I did I think it was so traumatic I probably just completely (laughs) (laughs) deleted it from my brain because Well, no, in fact, it worked so well that I did play all night. No break, nine till two. I played everything in my record collection from Prince, Michael Jackson, Gene Kahn, Diana Ross, Donna Summer. You know, it was was a mix of, I think I even played bits of hip hop, so I probably managed to fit in stuff from Cypress Hill and, (laughs) you know, whatever. I had really I just played whatever records I had you know it could have been anything but I I hadn't used professional equipment before then so I just remember all the way through the night saying to Ian Bushell who was then the uh, um, sound and lights guy at the number one in Manchester I was like Ian what do I do and he'd just go press that button push that fader push that fader across and then you're on the other one and then you just keep doing it that's what he said then you just keep doing it and that was my I I learned to DJ it was like a baptism of fire I learned on the job I didn't have decks at home I hadn't Mm -hmm. practiced I hadn't written out a set I mean I never understand people who write set lists out yeah I've never done it in my life I have never planned a set I always rock up take the temperature there is the room and I'm listening to what's happening before I go on and I think what does this need it's like cooking yeah 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 it's like cooking it's like this room is either really flat or it's too high or it's too spiky or it's too you know it's too angular like you know and then it's like what can I do to make this energy really 
nice and uplifting. Yeah. That's how I go in. So I've never planned a set. I just like go in with my records and, and busk it. I think that's a great way because you, you're so in tune with the room. You know exactly where to, to take it and, and how to disrupt it and yeah. bring people along with you. Yeah. And maybe that came from that first gig where you didn't know how what you were doing. You didn't know how to use the decks and you just were, like you say, baptism of fire. You're thrown at the deep end. Maybe DJs now have too much time to prepare. Plan. You know, they've got decks yeah. at home. They can prepare in record box and stuff like that. So maybe the way you learn, just diving in, has, yeah. that was I've probably... D- I've done that with every single job I've ever done. I, I don't... I, pretty much everything I do full stop, I don't have that... I'm nervous about doing it. Every time I DJ, I get that adrenaline rush where I'm nearly sick and I can't speak to people. Like, I'm not listening. Like, I'm not processing anything. It's just like, no, don't speak to me until I've played two records and then I'm all right, it calms down. Mm -hmm. But um, I have always been jump and think later kind of person, (laughs) you know. I have always been, even from being really tiny, jump and think later, cross the road and think later, jump out the window and think later, you know, just (laughs) never, you know. I mean, the sort of things I did when I was little, like I'd run through a bus car wash for a laugh, you know, and see if I could beat the bus that was coming through. We used to live across the road from a bus depot. Oh, wow. Anyway, anyway, I was danger mouse. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you did that. So I've always always been that kind of What would happen if you did that, you know, if you're going through a car wash? It's dead funny. (laughs) It's dead funny, but it's also really slippy because it's dead oily because the bus is so just watch. Your timing is crucial. It's crucial. I'll I'll remember that next time I do it. (laughs) Next time you want to run through a bus wash. (laughs) We didn't have toys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I bet that'd be well good crack actually <laughs> it was yeah anyway so I've always been this kind of person and even when I was working even when I went into PR I'd never done it before but mm-hmm. I was writing for a magazine I figured it out you know it's just like what do I need to do in order to sell this record to the national press having zero contacts <laughs> i'll think of something yeah just read every paper looked at the mastheads took took down all the details of all the writers phoned the newspapers what's this direct number you know i, I just built a database like that i just used my brain and yeah. that's always how i have done every single job mm-hmm. i don't um i don't think anyone is born knowing how to do the job or the 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 skill or the talent that they they end up doing no one Mm. comes out of the womb knowing how to be a brain surgeon no one comes out of the womb knowing how to be a dancer you know Sia learned her art you know her music developed yeah and I think you learn and I think you just have to take that take that chance take that risk and and if you feel it you know which I did you know with music from that first night of DJing at the number one and realising that I had actually played from nine till two. It's a long set. No one had left and I did it all on my own. There wasn't another mm. DJ that kind of filled in. I didn't go to the toilet all night. God, yeah, I suppose you wouldn't. You couldn't, could you? I couldn't. God. Well, you know, I could, but, you know, the, the record, I was yeah, running the risk out. of the yeah, record yeah. running out. Yeah. And I, you know, I can do now when I'm playing a long set, I'll 
figure out how to go to the toilet. But then I didn't have that brain of how I can negotiate this record and toilet break and drink break and everything. I just clicked into it naturally and realized that I could play music all night and entertain people and they wouldn't leave. And at the end of it, they would thank me for it and we'd have all had a really good time. And that's Mm -hmm. what, I think that was the change really because I enjoyed it and I thought it was great. And it was a replacement for singing for me because I used to sing in bands. And when I split up from my husband, I stopped singing in bands. And this was suddenly a way that I could perform, much like singing, but have a lot more control over it because it was Mm. my thing and it wasn't dependent on the relationship or the dynamic between a drummer and another lead singer and all of that. Mm. It was just down to me. So Mm -hmm. that was the start of everything. So then you went to, you DJ'd at Flesh. So I want to touch on Hacienda. Yeah. We have have to talk about Hacienda. So you were one of two residents. Yeah, two female residents. There were, I mean, on the main floor, it was... Tim Lennox, Dave Kendrick, Kath McDermott on rotation. Mm-hmm. And then downstairs in the Pussy Parlour, which was in the, the Gay Traitor, it was, to start with, it was me and my partner in crime, Adele, who mm-hmm. never actually played a record, but she took half the money because she kind of helped us. I mean, she helped us get the gig. So it's like, OK, you have half, but I'll do all the work. That, but that, we got that into... was very nice of you. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm kind. People don't know this stuff anyway. <laughs> now they do. And um, there was a month where we got in trouble because, like I say, I was modelling as well. And, and they asked me to do a catwalk upstairs, which was for the, was it for the first birthday or it might have been before then? And it was for rubberware. I remember it very well because my cat suit split. Um, but that's another story. <laughs> so I'm upstairs modelling and Adele had to DJ and it was an absolute unmitigated disaster because she didn't know how to DJ, she didn't have any records, she didn't even have any headphones and people complained about that room and they couldn't understand why the room was so bad because normally it was absolutely teeming with people, sweat running down the walls, really good yeah. atmosphere and then just this one particular party, it was a disaster. So we got hauled in um you know two three days later when we have the the um debrief on the party and what can be better what can what needs changing and we got our arses kicked over it and i just snapped at the time and i said i didn't mean to dob her in but i just said this has nothing to do with me i was in the fashion show and when i said that they were like ah and i said yeah i wasn't djing this is not my fault I was not DJing. If I'd been down there, it would have been fine. Mm -hmm. And then Adele had to admit that she'd never DJed at all of the parties and that she'd been taking half the money. And because because it had been like some sort of deception going on, then we got in like serious trouble and they were like going to fire us. And then they were going to fire me. And I said, no, because I can play, you know, you know, if when I go back, that room will be back to normal. And they said, yeah, but you're not gay. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm bi. And it's like, that doesn't count. 
because at the what? time, because at the time the beeve was, you know, and and still, you know, by visibility, whatever, everybody thinks we should just make a decision, and that's a whole other discussion. But I nearly lost the job because I wasn't gay enough, and they were very positive, you know, um, positive discrimination on the gay side. So I literally begged them and said, look give me three months and if in three months that room isn't kicking then sure I'll leave but Mm -hmm. if it is then can I keep the room to myself and Mm -hmm. you know month one back it was absolutely fine and everyone Mm -hmm. was happy and I stayed there for four and a half years so yeah there I stayed and you played there for four and a half years. Yeah, yeah. And I found it really interesting because... Do you know Johnny Banger that runs Sports Banger? I don't. Have you heard of that? Right, okay. Well, he's he loves you. Um, <laughs> he he runs Sports Banger. I think you'd really like it. You should check it out after this. Okay. It's, um, it's a bootleg fashion brand. Okay. And he's really, like, he raises loads of money for charity and he's really supporting the NHS and supports women. And, and he sent me this interesting article and it was on iNews, I think it was. And yes. he basically mentioned, it was about... Um, the women uh, who've forgotten from rave. Yeah, yeah and, 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 I mean, because like, he, he sells the T-shirts that says, uh, not bad for a woman, then fuck off yeah. the back. Yes. And, and I found it really interesting reading that article because I did my dissertation on Acid House. Yeah. Okay. I, I, when I went to Manchester, I used to um, go clubbing to Manchester all the time. It's like Warehouse Project. Yeah. I started writing music with guys over there. And I just became obsessed with the idea of the Hacienda and that whole time in the mm. 80s and 90s. And I just felt so sad because I missed out. Missed I was just out. Like, I should have been born and I should have yeah. experienced it. And I became really obsessed with it. And reading all the books that I read, I barely remember any mention of a woman. There and reading any. that article, I learned so much. And I just yeah. thought, how have I done a dissertation yeah. and not known about all of this? Yeah, more well, because it's just natural and standard, you know. <laughs> how, do, how did I manage to... Uh, I studied history for my A-levels and I did literature for my degree, English and American literature for my degree, but how did I manage to go through that educational process and not know the black history of it? And how did I manage to go through that educational process and not learn the female history of it? Because Mm -hmm. the female history of everything, everything, you know, whether you're an artist, a sculptor, a writer, a singer, you can guarantee that those histories are pushed down and repressed and and the the histories that we really hear a lot of are all male and how does that happen we live in a patriarchal society so that that's why you know even in clubbing even today when i hear people talk about club promoters and booking agents throughout the 80s, 90s, noughties, they always forget the women. And I can Mm. name, like, I can go through and name loads of them, but nobody's talking about them because it's just a lot quicker and easier. And, you know, maybe the men were working with bigger artists, but that's not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. It just happens that the female history in everything, not just clubbing, is always erased. Somehow it happens, and it, you know, I just remembered that my dissertation was called 
undoing death's work and it was all to do with the erasure of female writers in literature between 1800 to 1960s I think it might be 1960s 1970s there was the times so even then and I did my degree in 1994 so or I graduated in 1994 so even then I was aware that there was this you know erasure of women's history isn't it mad that you did your dissertation on that right Mm. in 1994 Mm. and then you feel like you probably feel to a degree that it's kind of happened it's real your friends yeah it's real yeah and every woman will feel it whether you're a doctor a dentist you know that there's this point where it's just like i've been doing this thing and and even you can listen to politicians say you know i've read this book diane abbott as many high profile or or high performing women have murders trying to get their voices and their their voices heard and their stories mm-hmm. told and there's a point where you have to tell it yourself yeah do you think there's uh, is that the way we change things then by telling it that's yourself that's what you're or? doing yeah that's yeah, exactly yeah, what you're doing mm-hmm. you're you're putting it out there you're not waiting for somebody a male to kind of deign to give you the time and deign to give you the space, you know, a a line or a paragraph in their book. Because that's Mm -hmm. what happens, you know, somebody's writing a book on rave, probably male because they are more likely to get a publishing deal than Mm -hmm. the women. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's so systemic. It is, isn't it? So they get the deal then they've got their agenda. When they are giving credit, it's like mates rates first, so we're definitely going to talk about these people. And then and then the rest of it is like decoration. And then they are very picky about how much space and who they are going to mention in their story. And it's not mm. necessarily malicious, but, you know, they're running out of space, they're running out of word count, they've spent all this time talking about X, Y and Z, and then the women are, like, an addendum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's shit. It is shocking. <laughs> it's it shocking. Is. It, yes, it's it shocking. Is. That's the word. It's shocking. It's That's ridiculous. What I meant it's shocking. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, hopefully, things will change and people tell us stories, like you're saying, and, and that is... That is how we change things. This is how we change things. This yeah. is what you're doing, what I'm doing. And and there's a point where I think what has happened previously is we've kicked off about it and then people listen and then it goes quiet again. Mm-hmm. And then it can be forgotten. And then you kick mm-hmm. off about it again. It's like every 10 years, let's kick off about it because it is a problem, it is a problem. And then... People listen, and then they listen for as long as it takes for you to move on to something else, and then it's like, right, okay, back to normal. What Mm. we have to do with everything, with every minority, with every issue like this, is that you have to keep up the momentum. You can't let it go, because the second you let it go, it just backslides back to where it was before, if we need to move it on, in order to move it on, you've got to keep it on the table. You've got to keep the issues on the table. Mm-hmm. You've got to shove it in people's face. Um, so we, we mentioned your track earlier with Chris Massey. Yeah, uh, Shiro's. She, Shiro's. Mm-hmm. Um, if, 
if you if people who are listening haven't heard it, um, I discovered it. I think the Blessed Madonna played it yeah. on a Radio yes, One did. show, and it's basically you're on the vocal and you're just championing and celebrating all the amazing female yeah. producers, broadcasters, yeah. DJs. So I I'll give you the backstory of it. It's not just that. Daft Punk wrote a track called Teachers, and they mention 50 DJs and producers who have influenced them, or is it 51? And not one of them is a woman. And then Soul Wax remade Teachers, and they mentioned 48 people, not one woman. And then I think Laidback Luke has done it. Yeah. No women. And I just got fed up of every time this track got remade, not even a Cosmo, not even a, like, you know, there are obvious people that would have been just straight away, not an Annie Nightingale, not an Annie Annie Mack. It it wasn't until, really, that I think it was Armitage that made a track, House Music, about two years ago. And he mentioned quite a few women, you know, in his roll call. So Shiro's was first of all we made it as this kind of anthem for international women's day suffragette 100th anniversary so it was made with that in mind mm-hmm. but also from my point of view and and there were lines in it that we took out because it was just like we we don't want to totally have a dig at them But I think one of the verses that we took out said, Daft Punk, 50 features, no female teachers. Soul Wax, same attack, 48 features, no female teachers. But we took that, we took that out because we didn't want to have a dig at anyone. We decided to do it more positive and Mm -hmm. have it like a totally pure celebration of all the female talent. But in fact, when we made it, it was like nearly 10 minutes long. <laughs> we're like, we're going to have to cut some people out of this. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which is just like, oh, no, because then you realise, oh, maybe they might have put them in and had to cut them out. But no, because we could have made like a 15 minute track with just all women. But, you know, we still had to cut people out and people mm. were pissed off with us and why haven't you mentioned this person and why haven't you mentioned that person? And I'm like, yeah. because it didn't rhyme. I couldn't find a <laughs> rhyme for the name. You know? <laughs> Even if your name didn't rhyme. <laughs> because it did, you know. If you actually look at the lyrics, it's like I've worked it to that, like, syllable by the syllable and the lines are really measured because I've got to speak it with yeah. a rhythm and the lines are really measured and... It rhymes. It's like I took time. It like it took me twelve or thirteen rewrites to get that down. And then mm-hmm. once I'd done done it and recorded it, um, then we had to cut it even at mastering and cut bits out. And once it's like, oh yeah, we need to cut that. And I'm like, yeah, but now the rhyme doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to go back and like, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, it sounds amazing. So I, I know it's it so took a while. It's but... way more complicated than people even think. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a wicked track, and I mean, it's on YouTube. So if anyone yeah. wants to go and listen to it, I think it's, I think it's a great tune to start a set with. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're really setting it's, the tone of the set. It's start a set or end a set, or you know, you know, it's not something that you can really put in the beginning. And it would have been nice 
to do like a really short edit but like I say as soon as you start cutting it away people get Mm -hmm. upset that you've missed people out so that's why we didn't do like a three minute version of it because it's just like you've annoyed people with your six minute version for missing stuff out so but it is that thing where it's just like I was aware that as many people who have made that teacher's track they never really talked about the women and it's like well I know all of these DJs, you know, some of them are friends of mine, but even the ones that aren't friends of mine, I'm either playing their productions or I'm seeing them on lineups. How mm. how can they say that they've not been influenced in some way by women being in this industry? That really irritates me mm-hmm. because we're influenced by them mm-hmm. so yeah. how is there not a two-way and we're not afraid to say that we're, we're not afraid to say them. it yeah all right okay so i want to talk about your glitter box i want to talk about your glitter box set because yes. I've, I've never had the chance to see you play but this summer mm. i'm gonna make sure i come and see you play yeah um i watched your glitter box set and for anyone who hasn't seen it, go and watch it because Oops. your energy, I mean, just talking to you now, like you're always smiling. You, you've just <laughs> got this really mischievous, cheeky, wicked energy about you. And like, yeah. I, I want to go on a night out with you and get lost. Yeah. Like, that's, I want to know some magic will happen. And I really, that excites me. And at the start of that stream, you had this amazing bucket hat on and like jacket. Yeah. And yeah. You, you had these signs. Welcome to that, Manchester. Yeah, yeah, written out like like Love Actually when the guy's yeah, at the yeah. door. And I just thought it was such a wicked, nice, real, nice way to start a set. And yeah, your energy's just amazing. I like, are you like this all the time? Are you full of energy all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am until I'm like, I mean, I do have downtimes, you know. Mm. I don't smile 24 hours a day, you mm. know. Yeah. Like everybody else, I have my moments, you know, we're in a pandemic, we're locked in, you know, work is whatever it is, but Mm -hmm. I do choose to smile. And I've always been a smiler from being little. Mm -hmm. I really have always been a smiler. There's a a picture that I absolutely love of me and my twin. Uh, I think we can't have been more than one or two. And we both got matching toweling dresses on and a little white bow in our hair. And we're sat on this milk crate with um, this couple that used to mind us in Blackpool. And Paula's always grumpy. She could never, like, she doesn't like smiling on pictures. Mm-hmm. So she's like, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always like this. I've always been like that I have always always been like that so whenever anyone sees pictures of me it's like oh my god you're always smiling it's like that's what I do that's who I am um that's just what I've got inside and that's what I give to everybody and sometimes people bounce it back and it's really nice and if they don't they're lost not mine (laughs) isn't it I think it's infectious I'm a smiley person and I, I always try and listen, to, if I'm feeling a bit shit, I always try and listen to like dance music or something yeah. that makes me feel happy. But I just think if someone smiles at you, you can't not smile back at them. It's the best gift you can give to yeah. anyone. And I think, is it, was it Sophia Loren said, and I really do believe this, that a woman is never dressed without her smile. Mm-hmm. Anyone that smiles, you will find, and it's that like the first thing I said to you is it beams out of your face. That energy just comes 
out mm-hmm. that you can't keep that energy inside and you see it in people and it is really beautiful to see and it's really beautiful to receive and that's the kind of energy that we really need in this world today anyway mm-hmm. you know if we can make a nice world make a nice world why make a horrible one you know we've all yeah. had our horrible dark times you know trust mm-hmm. me i've been married divorced you name it so mm-hmm. i've had the dark you know mm-hmm. and the way i deal with the dark is to try and get back up to finding happiness and happiness yeah. comes from inside and if you give that from inside to everybody else then everybody else can feel it too it's a law of attra- attraction isn't it if you're putting out happy positive vibes you're just going to get it back aren't yeah you? yeah and i think with with the stream as well what i'd noticed i at the beginning of lockdown i really took a hit I think like everybody, I took a hit Mm -hmm. and everyone was saying, you know, you should do live streams and you should do this. And everyone was just like screaming at me and there was so much noise. And I was just like, I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do something that isn't right. I don't want to do something that my heart isn't in. So I had to do it some way that meant something to me and that would mean something to other people Mm -hmm. and the first stream I was asked to do was um boiler room I had so many problems with that so the in the first stream with the boiler room stream what you can see with the the signs and the things that are written on the wall were they were the names of the people that had helped me put this thing together against all odds (laughs) so Every stream that I've done has told a little story, story in some yeah. way. Yeah. And then with the Glitterbox stream, the first one, it was just like I was the only person they'd asked from Manchester to do a stream. So yeah. I wanted to really welcome people yeah. to what is my Manchester. So I had the, you know, because it, it always rains in Manchester. So I walked into the set with a bucket hat on <laughs> and uh and a waterproof but the waterproof has the bees on it which yeah. is the you know which is yeah, the, yeah. the Manchester symbol for Manchester mm. so it was giving Manchester before I'd even held up a sign and then mm-hmm. the first sign I held up was welcome to Manchester and mm-hmm. it was really funny watching it on YouTube watching the comments like what's this bloke doing <laughs> <laughs> like bloke all right <laughs> and then i take it off and i've got all the glitter underneath oh, yeah. it it's you just like now you know what's happening this is oh. how we do it you know welcome to manchester this is how we do it it rains it's dark it's gray but you're in my house now and how i i just wanted to make it fun you know because mm-hmm. all the streams before then i just seen people doing it like in the bedroom with a washing on the bed and it was just like yeah. <laughs> so awful and a lot of them were quite boring like and it just you know, didn't do anything it didn't yeah. tell anyone anything it didn't yeah. draw anybody in it didn't mm. engage me I'd, mm. I'd watched tons of streams and it's like didn't entertain yeah. and I just wanted to entertain people and yeah. you know certainly when people hear me or see me in a nightclub I'm not going to be making signs for every single set that I play I I, I don't do that that's just mm-hmm. something I did on this for the streams mm-hmm. dancing about I have always done <laughs> lip syncing 
I have always done and I will always do and mm. and I that is how I engage people in a live environment so how you see me when you when I'm playing in a club is different again to how you'll see me when I'm playing on a stream yeah you lip sync for your life at the start of that stream and I enjoyed it always I lip sync for my life every day of my life full <laughs> stop you know in the car singing along I am Beyonce I am whoever you know I uh, you know I am India, Jocelyn Brown, um, whoever I want to be Aretha, in the house. Aretha. <laughs> I'm always time. Aretha Franklin. I think you're a great role model. Um, ah. And I think, you know, for anyone wanting to come into this industry, I think you're such a great person. Just look at the longevity that you've yeah. had. And as women, we know we have this fear in the back of our minds, especially in the music industry, is how long can we go for? Yeah, and yeah. you have had longevity, and I think yeah. you're such a great role model. But I want to know, who has been your role model growing up? Um, in DJing or just anyway? Any, DJing anyway, in our life, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, just anyway, I would say, and it's a weird one this, but I was talking to my friend Gavin about it the other day. And, you know, one of them is actually Madonna. And I have difficulty with Madonna's music now. I don't particularly like it. It's not, it, it doesn't really connect with me, her yeah. music. But who she is and how she is and how she's done it totally resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Because in that person, in her head, from start to 2021, she is still up there at the top of her game, despite everything that is going against her in terms of being a woman in the music industry, her age. Mm-hmm. You know, she's been doing it for over, what is it, 30 years? It'd be longer for, than that. 40, 40 years. years. Yeah, probably. You know, yeah. as long as the Beatles, you know, yeah. like, no, not as long as the Beatles. She started like mid 80s, right? 60s, but she was, yeah. 35 years ish. And it's not like she's not really aged in it. She's kind Mm. of put the age on the back shelf. But that's fine, Mm. you know, each to their own. I have had to be able to age in it. And that kind of does go against you in terms of DJing, but it doesn't so much in terms of music. But she's evolved and she Mm. has shown how to evolve through the decades because she hasn't stayed the same, you know, Madonna like a virgin is not Madonna 2021 yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. You know, she has changed, evolved, designers, artists, she's embraced new technologies, she's really good on social media, you know, mm-hmm. she's just completely understanding. And then behind that, her family life, her children, the adoptions, the humanitarian work that she does. She has always been um, LGBTQI supporter, AIDS, mm-hmm. whole thing, HIV, there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, she walks the walk, talks the talk, political as, you know, for me, that like everything she represents. And I, like I say, I don't necessarily like her music now. Yeah, yeah. But you like I what she's about. I don't get it, but I will back her. You know, there, there are people that I will always like support and argue mm-hmm. for. And I will always argue the toss for Madonna because mm-hmm. there aren't very many artists of that level. You know, Michael Jackson's gone. 
Prince is gone. You know, they were the ones that were on the same level and there aren't very many artists around of that magnitude Mm -hmm. now. And for me, like, she is one of my ultimate role models and then there's the fashion side of it and the the look and the show and how she presents herself. Mm -hmm. Everything, I mean, you could actually study Madonna as a degree subject. Yeah, 100%. I do. I think you're, I think you're right. Businesswoman, you know, even if you go into looking at the art that she buys for her house, she's like, there is way more to Madonna than people see on that mm. tiny little square on Instagram. And, and I she, love her to bits. She's, she's brilliant. Got, she's got no fear, has she? She is someone who just wants to do something and she goes for it wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah. And she knows this shit. Like, yeah. she is not messing about. Definitely. Beyonce, the same, but for different reasons. And, you know, for me, you know, what she represents in terms of, you know, making the politics of uh, everything, like bringing that to the forefront, her, you know, I know I'd say Diane Abbott politically. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mm -hmm. her. Because what she's been through in order to be where she is, it's so easy to do women down. Mm -hmm. It is really so easy to do women down. And I kick off about it all the time and saying, do you realize what she has had to go through Mm -hmm. in order for other black women to come through and become ministers and sit, actually sit in that room where women weren't allowed before. Parliament, women weren't allowed in there Mm -hmm. and black women Certainly not. Black people couldn't even get in Westminster, in the in the doors of Westminster in the 60s without being followed. Mm-hmm. You know, so what, Diane she's, Abbott. Do you know what? I actually see her on the overground near me. I live in East London. And I always want to go and say hello to her, but then I know yeah. how, like, weird how that might weird be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hiya! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Her, you know, and then there's a lot of dead people, a lot of dead people that have have like influenced me massively mm-hmm. you know josephine baker her story eartha kit her story you know just like they're people who have not who have really stuck their neck out for political reasons for music reasons for gender reasons for mm-hmm. everything Mm-hmm. And they have really excelled and then not been afraid to say that thing that makes everybody uncomfortable. They've not been able to face the uncomfortable truths about what it is to be a woman in this world and in this industry. And they will put it in your face like that, Kaki. Mm-hmm. Those are the people I like. Those are the people that influence me. And there's a lot of men as well, but women. Let's just talk about women. International Women's Day. International Women's Day. We're we're celebrating the month. We're doing an episode of this every single week for the month. Good. So, I mean, I've got so many questions. I feel like it's been a beautiful conversation because you've kind of answered them as we've gone along. So it's brilliant. It's great. Good. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Likewise. I love chatting to you. It's been great. I'm definitely going to come and see you play this summer, like one million percent. Either I'm going to come to Manchester... Yeah, or, please um, do. Or that, the one in Peckham. I, I was looking at that lineup actually, and that's my type of lineup. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to yeah. be dope. Yeah, there's going to be, it's more exciting anyway because, in a way, there's going to be less people. So you're going to be able to get around. It's going to be really nice. You're going to yeah. have dancing space. You're going to, it's just going to be 
really nice vibe. Yeah. Just lovely, positive, outdoor, having a crack. <laughs> it's going to be good crack, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. I really can't wait. I'm just fingers crossed that everybody just stays sensible from now until mm-hmm. June so that we don't get this oh, sorry, we can't do it anymore. So let's just channel everybody, stay safe, be sensible, wear a mask, keep washing your hands, and then June the 21st, let's go for it. Perfect way to end the podcast. Huge thanks to DJ Paulette. The energy that she gives off is just infectious. She is brilliant. Make sure that you go and see her DJ this summer at one of the festivals that she mentioned because she is just brilliant. Bring on the 21st of June. So this episode rounds up my special three-part series for International Women's Day, but don't worry because I will be back in April with another huge guest. All will be revealed on my Instagram, so make sure that you go and follow me, Sarah My Story, to keep up to date with all my future guests.